Welcome to the Otherwise Podcast, Season 3. I'm your host, Casey Tigret. I'm an author, pastor, and spiritual director. I want to offer you two questions. Question number one is this, what's bugging you? What's that thing right now that's stuck in your crawl? Is that even how you say it, crawl? A thing that's keeping you up, a thing that's irritating you. What's bugging you right now? The second question is this, what's bringing you joy right now? What's giving you life? What's bringing energy back to you, to your spirit, to your body, to your mind? These are two really good questions, and they're the two questions that are brought up by my friend and my editor, Cindy Bunch, in her new book, Be Kind to Yourself. She's our guest today on the podcast, and we're going to be talking about all sorts of things, including self-kindness, how Christians aren't always the best at self-kindness, and we aren't exactly a tradition that prizes self-kindness. We're also going to talk about social media. We're going to talk about the different practices that help us be kind to ourselves, especially in a time like this, in a time of pandemic. So I hope you enjoy this conversation, and I hope she spurs something in you. But carry those questions with you as we go into the conversation today. What's bugging you? And what's bringing you joy? With that in mind, let's listen to this talk, this conversation between myself and my friend, Cindy Bunch. Cindy, this is fun um, to get to do this because you and I have known each other for quite a while in a very different way. Mm -hmm. You've um, been such a gracious and kind, and um, I always say that you have the spiritual gift, gift of incisiveness. Like you're able to look at my writing and kind of carve into it and find the good things that are in there and toss out the rest of it. So this is kind of fun to have you. Now you're in the in the author's seat. How does that feel? Well, thank you. Um, it's it's fun to be here and fun to be talking about my own work. Uh, it it is a different experience to be on this side of it, and it is. Um, uh, I have all the, I guess, anxiety that any author does about how my book is going to be received. So it reminds me to have empathy for all of the things that my authors go through as they write. Have you been surprised by anything in this, uh, anything in the process or anything uh, about your own experience of the journey of a book coming from idea to birth to promotion? I mean, is there anything that you're like, wow, okay, I didn't, I didn't expect that? Um, so it's been, it was a lot of fun to work with Al She, who was my editor, and I edited a book by Al um, called Grieving a Suicide that he, that he wrote. So it was sort of turnabout. Now he's my editor. Um, and uh, he did, he did a great job. And so it was interesting to receive his report and wrestle through it through that revision process um, and see how the book improved. So, you know, people should out there listen to your editors they have good ideas <laughs> they will make the book better um but yeah revision's not my favorite part of the process i would say i i have i have met authors who love it um but it's it, it can be it can be difficult um the the other thing that i've already discovered is is the pain of you know when you do get a negative mm -hmm. review or a negative response that that's um you know, that's something to, to wrestle with. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know about the people who like revisions. I, 
I I don't not like them, but they aren't my favorite thing in the whole wide world. Yeah. That's for sure. Well, yeah. the interesting thing about being an editor and then coming over into the side of being an author is that you see, uh, and I know there are people listening who have talked to me about wanting to write something. Um, you see the book in a stage where it will never it will never be again. Like it's a rough, raw, like the form, the language, that everything is different. And I think, you know, I, because it's my bent, I like to move into a formation perspective on that. Like the, mm. the process of a book coming to the form that it is once you get it in your hands is a lot like the formation process. It's, it's a journey of discovery and things dying. <laughs> Mm-hmm. things that are painful mm-hmm. yes. does that resonate with you and your experience with the editing of this of this particular book hmm. that's that's interesting yes I, I would say in general um what you're saying is I, I think what what i love about being an editor is watching an idea go from you know the seed of somebody's idea you might just meet over a meal or something and hear the author talk about it to the proposal and to the draft and to the revision and the, you know to hold a book at the end it's a very satisfying process um yeah for me personally um there there was certainly that i mean i started out i just started writing to see if i had something to say because i really wasn't sure and so i gave myself a period of time had some time away and just said, well, I'm just going to write and see if I've got enough to fill a book or not. Mm-hmm. And that's that's kind of how I went at it. I feel like that's the best way to do it. It's uh, So I think that people either can make the outline, sit down and follow the outline and write the book, or they have to do this other thing where they write their way into it. And then, which the second one, of course, is harder because then you've got to cut away a lot and rewrite a lot and reorganize a lot. But it's, I think it's a sort of brain thing, yeah. which, which kind of person you are to some extent. And you, you definitely, I feel like both, both books, I've learned something about myself and there are always life circumstances that go along with it. You never write a book in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. It's a collation of your life up to that point, but it's also, it's created in a specific space. Just like, you know, anybody who's creating a piece of music or a piece of art, you're always doing it in the circumstances of that particular time. Um, And you always will learn something about yourself. You'll pick up some wisdom about Mm -hmm. who you are and the craft or the calling, or Mm -hmm. I don't know who it was that said it, but how do I know something unless I write it? I won't know. Th- mm-hmm. I don't know things unless mm-hmm. I write them, and I think that's so true. And so that gets to the question that we talk about on this podcast a lot, which is about wisdom. So I want to pose that to you, uh, editor and author. Um, mm-hmm. If you had to define that word, wisdom, where would you where would you start? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, just a few days ago, J.I. Packer died. And he is the author of the longstanding IVP book, Knowing God. And so, and that is the first thing that came to my mind is wisdom is knowing God, um, but not just in an informational way. It's um, the relationship with God, it's intimacy with God. And um, for me, a huge way that I grew into my relationship with God was spiritual direction. Um, in my in my book, I talk about Marilyn Stewart, who you know, who was my spiritual director. And um, so when I thought about how I might answer your question, I was thinking about the uh, book 
that her husband, Doug, gave me after she passed away uh, called Paying Attention to God. And it's by uh, William A. Berry. And um, receiving this book was just this remarkable experience for me because it has in it some of her markings and notes as she read. And so as I picked up this book, after she was gone and started reading it and it started speaking to me and I felt like it was her speaking to me through what she underlined. And again, one of the key areas uh, for, for me with her was, was this experience of, of knowing God and what, what does it mean to be loved by God and to know that God loves you uh, truly. Um, and so there, there's a, uh, the author talks about, being the apple of God's eye, which I think is so, so beautiful, and and how we have a vulnerable relationship with with God, and and a two way relationship. And so he says, if I do not know in my bones that God loves me with an everlasting love, I will not dare to open myself to His gaze and ask to see myself as He sees me. So that. That for me describes this kind of two-way relationship, and to me, all of that—that that intimate relationship with God—is the opening of this idea of wisdom. Mm. Wisdom is vulnerability. That is, that's powerful. Being open to being known and to mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. to know God mm-hmm. more than just know knowing God versus knowing about God. Is there, is that part of your faith background? Is that how you grew up to know God or is that something you've come to in the last few years or so? Yeah, I I think that spiritual formation for me, that, that piece of my journey, which has been about a 30 year journey, is has been really knowing God more personally and really kind of trusting that God loved me um and not so i knew things about god i grew up in the church and i i knew things about god and i knew the you know for the most part the right things i actually i grew up in a pretty healthy church background um but but somehow and this is kind of where the self-kindness self-compassion piece comes in it's it's that you know, believing that god loved me and wasn't constantly judging me the way i judge myself mm. Yeah. Yeah. I know quite a few listeners who that was not their experience of God growing up. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. God, <laughs> God was not one that, you know, as you were reading William uh, Barry there and the idea mm-hmm. of opening myself to his gaze, that's a, that's a very intimidating sounding mm-hmm. thing. And I just keep finding that so much of formation is about our image of God, who we believe God to be and how that directly impacts us. And I just hear such a, there's such a beauty in the picture of God that you you carry, is mm-hmm. that God is someone who it's safe for us to open ourselves up to. And mm-hmm. it allows us, I think of Marilyn Stewart especially, it allows us to open ourselves up to people who mm-hmm. we know are following him. Mm-hmm. Or who, we, we, hate, we, we don't use this word, but I think it's an appropriate word, the, the saints around us mm-hmm. those people yes who just burn with that light of of god's grace and goodness and and being vulnerable to them 
Uh, how did your direction, you talk in the book a good deal, and we'll come back to the concept of it, but mm. you talk a good deal about spiritual direction. How much, how much did Marilyn or the, in the practice of spiritual direction help you cultivate that? Um, help you cultivate that sense of being vulnerable to God, being open to God, and help to keep that alive in the, in the recent years? Mm. I, yeah, that, that was a hu huge piece of it was, was my, so I was in direction with Marilyn for about 20 years. And, um, and I talk in the book about this concept of the gaze of, of love. And, and I ex did experience that in a human level through Marilyn in, in certain ways. I, I do think that's a part of what spiritual direction can be about is her sort of her wisdom and groundedness of, of God, uh, with God, um, sort of feeling that from her and, and gaining that sense of, you know, what, like you, you spoke about a saint, right? What, what is it like? What, 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 what can I be like when I grow up, you know, when I grow as I, as I age with God, um, if I keep following the path? Um, so, so there was an inspiration there, but there was also a sense of that she loved me but she saw me and so she saw my flaws and she would call them out at times but always in this loving generous way that didn't feel shaming ever but just called me to to desire growth to desire increased intimacy with god so yeah i do i do think there's a big connection between the intimacy and vulnerability of spiritual direction and then and then growing with God in those things. And it took a while, I'm assuming it took yeah. a while in your relationship <laughs> yeah. to get there to where, you know, you had the comfort to open the door for her and she had the comfort to call out some of those things. 20 mm -hmm. years, I mean, you're not having to rehash stories. You, you have a long history together. And I, I, the concept that you put at the center of your book, Be Kind to Yourself, uh, is the idea of self-kindness. And so given the, the way that you started the writing, which was, uh, I'm just gonna see what's in there. I love that. Uh, how, how, did you, how did this concept find its way to the surface? Was, mm -hmm. there, was there a, what was it that brought it to the surface for you? Yeah, so, so it was partly what it, there's, there's a lot of ways to narrate how did this book begin, right? Um, you probably know that yourself. Um, I had been thinking about this as a topic, actually thought about this as a topic that I would, you know, find a book for, for University Press. And I hadn't, I had not found a book on self-compassion um, from a Christian specific perspective, uh, either as a proposal or elsewhere, you know, already published. And so the, the, that was stirring in my brain as a sort of general theme. Um, I would say, um, though I don't know if I was sure. I, I think I was also broadly thinking about my experience of growth with with Marilyn and spiritual direction, and you know, sort of following that path and what that led to. Yeah. With the idea of self kindness, you you talk about it being a practice, and I do mm -hmm. enjoy that because a practice a practice seems to intimate that you, we might fail at it. <laughs> mm -hmm. We have to practice self-kindness. Yeah. Uh, why that word? Why practice for you? Mm. 
Yeah, I, th I think you I think you describe it well. Um, that we could we could fail, um, and it's actually other practices even in my book. So there's a ton of little practices for people to try in my book, and so it's these other practices that lead to the experience of self of self kindness. So cultivating um, practices in our lives that allow us to forgive ourselves, that allow us to free ourselves, to experience joy, to experience beauty, um, to experience rest. The, these are acts of self-compassion and self-kindness. Is there a is there a person you think that models for you that is sort of your your image of self kindness? Someone who you would point to and say that that's what this looks like. That's a great question. I, I don't know if I have an answer right off. Though one person who I quote from who comes to mind uh, is Anne Lamont, who I'm sure would say to you she's sort of bad at it but she does talk about it quite a bit and and what is it like to just be compassionate to yourself to the self that you are today you know she does a, a lot of that um this is this is who i am this is what i bring this is my situation and i and i need to just be with that and be with myself and have grace for myself and so i i, I do think She's one person I've I've seen kind of trying to model that, but I think she would probably say that she's in process on that. Uh, that's journey. a curious thing because as I was reading and and I saw that you were quoting her, Anne is also mm -hmm. reading some of her books like Traveling Mercies or some of the others. Mm -hmm. She is incredibly self-critical, um, and yes, she's right, very right. much like about here's where here's all the warts and here's the warts that are underneath those warts. And so it's interesting to have her be the person that sort of drives drives a bit of this because <laughs> I think it helps us understand that self-kindness does not mean that we aren't honest because it has mm -hmm. a softness mm -hmm. to it. Like just, mm -hmm. just be kind yeah. to yourself. Well, being, being kind That's to right. yourself also requires that. Do you find that too, that it, it requires that sort of self-honesty that most people, it can, it can make people sort of like, oh, I don't know if I want to go that, that far down. Right. Right. We're not talking about self-indulgence or, um, so, so there's two, there's a rooting practice, a grounding practice at the beginning of the book that I, that I set out and follow through the book. And that is, uh, a, a twist on the the examine of yeah. St. Ignatius, which is, and so how I phrase it is each day uh, I write down what's bugging, what's bugging you, the answer mm -hmm. to that question, and what's bringing you joy, the answer to that question. And so that is, you know, Ignatius terms, bugging is desolation, where am I far from God, and consolation what's, what's bringing me joy, what's bringing me near to God, to the experience of God with me. So what's bugging me might well be something I did wrong. Um, and that might be something I need to confess and, and let go. Um, so, so 
but by but if we don't stop and think about what are those negative thoughts in our head just running loop what are we feeling badly about where are we kind of kicking ourselves like why did i do that like that if we don't take the time to stop and deal with those thoughts process them and let them go before god then then we just kind of keep ourselves in the negative loop so i think it is a self-kindness to stop and reflect on the day to reflect on yourself to reflect on where you are and and confess or set yourself free of, of whatever it is that is is negative and then and then it's joy is it's gratitude it's you know wh where is the goodness what, and what's what's drawing me into that goodness that i can embrace more of and i in in that you sense how it, because the you mentioned the difference between self-kindness and self-indulgence and mm -hmm. I could see, and maybe you've heard this already or, or had this thought occur to you, the Christian tradition as a whole, and this is an unfair generalization, but the Christian tradition as a whole has not been seen as a self-kind kind of tradition. Right. We, yeah. we do have a, a, anything yeah. from like monastic hair shirts to like deny yourself mm -hmm. and take up your cross from a, you know, from worst to least category. Um how do you walk that line between self-indulgence mm -hmm. and self-kindness as healthy mm -hmm. versus unhealthy or um, respecting the fact that there is richness in the Christian tradition about selflessness, but that there is, in Edwin Friedman's book, Failure of Nerve, he talks about there's a selfishness that's actually helpful. Mm. It's, it's the kind mm -hmm. of barriers that create, he talks about cancer and he says, cancer doesn't attack cells with a strong sense of themselves, with strong barriers mm -hmm. and boundaries and knowledge of who mm -hmm. they are. So he said there is a selfishness that's actually healthy. How do you walk the line between that self-indulgence and self-kindness? Mm-hmm. I think, so the, the scripture says we love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And... Um, I believe that as we grow in compassion towards ourselves, we will grow in compassion towards the neighbor. And, and that's why those two things are, are put together that, that way. So, and it, it, if you think again about people you know that, that are kind and gracious to themselves, get themselves space to be unhurried in the you know, phrasing of uh, Dallas Willard and, and others. Um, that these are also people that are going to be compassionate towards others. Yeah. I've gotten, that has been a resonant thing for me over the last few years is this distinction um, to love others the way we love ourselves and, and mm -hmm. uh, how sometimes I wouldn't wish on my, on my others the way I love myself, like the way we run ourselves mm -hmm. ragged, the way we, the way we talk to ourselves. If we talk to other people that way, yeah. we wouldn't let our kids talk to others yeah. the way we talk to ourselves. <laughs> it's, it's sort of strange. Yeah. When you talk about the practice of uh, this modified examine, which I love, I love the two questions because they are so simple. And um, I feel like the examine as a practice has, has so much space in it. So I've heard the way that you've treated it in the book, uh, Father Michael Sparrow, uh, I've heard him do a version of it that's very mm. different. And then there's the traditional Ignatian way of doing it. I think it has so much space for modification. I'm wondering, um, 
you know, you your writing process has taken a long. People don't really realize how long it takes to write a book, but it started mm-hmm. well before and now continues into from a promotion side into this season of pandemic. How do these two mm-hmm. questions look in the midst of a, a time like this? Mm. It's it, well, it's a great time for self kindness for sure. Um, and so the answers to the questions. So sometimes, on the whole, in the book, I wanted to focus on small, you know, the small everyday things because that's where our formation starts. Is how do we deal with that rude comment? How do we deal with being late? And 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 can we recover from that and and be kind and generous with people around us? Just those small things are a beginning point. But some days. What's bugging us could be very serious. And of course, during COVID, that's been true. So what's bugging me might be that my friend's in the hospital, you know, and, and, uh, and I'm really worried. Um, or it might be that I can't just, you know, go shopping or go do whatever it is I, I want to go do, um, go on a vacation in a regular way. or uh, So there's this whole gamut of things. But these are the things that, that form us, and these are the things that shape our everyday. So it, if, just to write that down every day is a real help for me. Um, some of the joys that are different uh, are, are interesting to me. I, I've done a lot more walking and my husband and I started paying a lot of attention to the birds and feeding the birds and documenting birds that are coming. And so that was just a fun little hobby. Um, and I think we, we noticed a lot more going on cause we were home more and just being able to be attentive to nature. Um, my son is home from college. And so that's been a lot of fun just to have that time with him that I wouldn't have, have had, uh, so there's different things that that we learn to notice and appreciate, and I see lots of people doing that uh, as well. They seem like the joys have become much simpler too. Yes, They're exactly. Just so yeah. the small, the small things. I, I also notice people in this. We've we've. It feels like we've ch- shifted as a culture in how we're responding to what's going on. We've shifted from a, you know, we're all in this together. Even the car commercials are like, mm. we're all in this together, mm. so buy a Honda. And I'm like, I don't understand that marketing line. Anyway, um, we've moved from that to a more adversarial way of seeing it where the some of the politics of this pandemic have come out. And I'm finding so much of that on social media. And I, I love mm. that you have a chapter that's called, I saw it on Twitter, which I thought was great because mm-hmm. I'm in uh, just being transparent there's a friend of mine who's done this i'm in the middle of thinking about do i still want to be a part of the quote-unquote big three social media wise because of what's been happening Mm. but in, in that chapter you say something you say but i find that i also need to consider the social and personal aspects of social media and how it affects me after a long day of work now and then i become aware that i need to stop and reflect on where and how I am engaging. How does the social media world, especially social media world in the midst of a pandemic, how does it play into the way that you are practicing self-kindness these days? Mm. Yeah. So I think 
the concepts of having windows of time for yourselves, self when you're engaged or not engaged. I think that's been important for me, letting yourself just back off for a while. Uh, there's certainly been moments where I've it just felt overwhelmed and to say it's it's okay that I don't engage right now. Um, there also are people to follow and pay attention to that do bring me joy and um, who are also on self-kindness journeys and uh, encourage me each day. So it's, so it's, you know, that mixed bag of letting go of what's at least at times in seasons, letting go of, of what feels like more than you can take on and following the, the, the people and the threads that are, that are, encouraging and and where you feel like you can contribute something so it's i've been launching this book and on a virtual retreat with a with a group of people and that has been just a delight to see people picking up some of these practices and coming into the this private group and chatting about it and so there's a lot of beautiful things that we can do with with social media experiences being being able to bring about um the balance between yeah I, 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 man the social media thing has been in my head for the last week mm. or so um and the idea of engaging and that to engage in anything is by in and of itself a spiritual act so it's an act of the will the act act of the heart and mm. it's not about um it's not about a lot of times it's not about evil, it's good or evil, it's about wisdom, right? So, so sometimes to engage in a conversation, we get into it and we thought it was going to be fine. <laughs> I, not that anybody ex- has ever experienced this, but let me, let me throw out an example. We get into this conversation and we think it's going to be fine. And then by the end of it, we are asking ourselves, why did I decide to ask these questions? Because it all just sort of blew mm-hmm. up in my face. And it's not about good or evil. It's about I've learned a few things in the midst of all this. And then then maybe the mm-hmm. next day, what's bugging you becomes that conversation yesterday is still, still stuck in yeah. my gut. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's it. You know, where am I called to step in and where is it? I'm just not going to make a difference in this kind of a thing. And I, I, I think it's probably important to acknowledge at this point uh, that you and I are white and you know, there's a big conversation out there about Black Lives Matter and I, d- I don't want to step away from something that I need to step up to and have a voice in and take responsibility in just because it's uncomfortable and unpleasant. Um, so that's another piece of the discernment, I, th- I think, for me. So there was a conversation that went on in a, uh, not a big, a well-known person or, or, or anything, but some, somebody I knew that we, we was getting into a conversation about the Confederate statues um, being taken down, and there was a debate going on uh, on that person's social media. And I did feel like, okay, I need to step in here and and speak up um, for and. It's not necessarily typical for me 
but so I, I think it's but it's discerning you know where are the places I am called uniquely that I can make a difference um, and where are the places that there's just so much noise that I, it's not yeah so and there I have learned a lot I mean I've learned a, uh, so mm -hmm. many things from watching social media and um, trying to find that line between uh, engagement and when is the right moment and when is it wise to engage and when is it um, when is it an act of self destruction to engage you know yeah. <laughs> versus self kindness yeah, yeah. well and, and and when is it my role as someone that's part of majority culture to support someone yeah, else's absolutely. voice um, would be another way to retweet and it. amplify and like and share mm -hmm. you. It, what I love about this book is that every time I turned a page and there was a new practice, it was always a multi, um, I don't want to put that, a multi-sensory kind of experience. So you had everything from like uh, collages mm -hmm. to music to there are pictures. There's a picture of a hummingbird from Palm Springs. And you, you have such a, where does that come from for you? Like, has that always been part of your have you always been drawn to multidisciplinary, multisensory practices, or did that is that a new thing? I I've always been drawn to some type of art forms, I think, in in my life, and enjoyed that. But but it has been a, a, a bit of a spiritual evolution for me to begin to engage uh, art, artistic practice, visual practice as part of my relationship with God. And, and as a way of learning about God, learning about spirituality, um, that's been very powerful. Um, a, a key influence for me was uh, Abby of the Arts and Christine Balter's painter. Um, and she, she does a lot of work in, in that area. Uh, it's also just nice after, you know, I, I spent a lot of time on the computer, a lot of time looking at words, sitting on a screen. I want to do something visual or tactile just to kind of take me out of my head and have a different, more embodied experience. I know if you're listening and you're trying to keep track of all the books and things we've referred to, don't worry, I'll, I'll put those <laughs> in the, I'll put those in the show notes. Um, I, I've known you, you know, we've known each other for quite a few years and, um, I've known you to be a person who sees your the work you do as an editor as a gift. Like you're, I feel like the books that I've written and other authors who you've worked with have written are such a collaborative effort and that the, the goodness of them has to do with you being a part of it as much as us being a part of it. I'm wondering for you now as the author, um, what is the what is the gift that you hope this book gives to people who read it? I do hope people will maybe try a new practice, something they haven't tried before. Um, I hope that people will receive the book as invitational and not, um, I have to go through and do all these practices because there's a lot, there's lots of ideas. And I already had a couple people in my, in my little retreat group that you know, we're feeling that weightiness of, so Enneagram ones, you don't have to do all the things, right? That's <laughs> just take, take what you feel drawn to, let the rest go, um, or come back to it, you know, as you, as you wish, because there's, there's lots in there. Um, but I do, I do hope it will encourage people to try something new. I hope it will encourage people to, um, 
find ways to express compassion to themselves and to find joy and delight in the spiritual yeah. life. I think that's a lovely, if that, if that happens, that will be a lovely thing. That will be a lovely thing. It's a wonderful book. Thanks for writing it. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. don't know what resonated with you most, whether it was about wisdom as vulnerability, whether it was this practice of the examine, these two beautiful questions, maybe the approaches to some spiritual practices or even how we use social media. In any case, my prayer is that this conversation with Cindy was something that brought some insight and encouragement and inspiration to you, even in the midst of all the things that we're going through right now. Cindy Bunch is Associate Publisher and Director of Editorial at InterVarsity Press. She's worked there for more than 30 years. She acquires and develops for the Formadio line, the spiritual formation line, of which I'm an author. She's the author of Be Kind to Yourself, as well as several Bible studies in IVP's Life Guides Bible Study Series. She holds an MA in Theological Studies from Northern Seminary and has completed her spiritual direction training at North Park Seminary. If you enjoyed this, you can follow the links in the show notes to go and pick up a copy of Cindy's book and also some of the other resources that we talked about in the podcast, which there were several. So you're going to have some links to check out. If you're listening to this podcast on iTunes, thank you so much. Spotify, thank you. If you're streaming via my website, thank you so much. If you have the opportunity to rate and review the podcast, would you please do that? It helps me understand how things are going, who's listening, what, if there's a suggestion you have, like you may want to hear something or there's a guest you think I should have on, I would love to hear about that. And so my prayer is that you might be kind to yourself today, regardless of what's going on. My prayer is that you would seek the God who comforts, the God who is near to the brokenhearted, the spirit that consoles us in times of grief and exhaustion and frustration. May you find that ever-loving, ever-present spirit in the way that you are kind to yourself today. Until next time, be well, live wisely. Peace, friends. Peace.